there's no way home for nine days and we're taking Lola to the sea to visit the tender bar. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect and this is Off Screen, your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Offscreen. We're keeping you cinematic. We've got a big Spidey Senses movie coming your way very soon in the first half of this particular show this week. We've got loads of stuff coming up for you, haven't we, Van? We have, including... Do you remember when it used to be a big deal when actors turned to directing? Like when Mel Gibson did Braveheart in 95 or, you know, The Man Without a Face in 93. That was a huge deal. Mel Gibson is yeah. doing directing. You know, when, when the few occasions that Denzel has attempted to, to direct, and he's a very capable director, it, has, it was a big deal. Nowadays, not so much, and we know that because we're going to be talking about a movie, first and foremost this week, directed by George Clooney, and there's been, like, no marketing for this. So we're going to talk, of yeah. course, about The Tender Barbex, which I believe you've seen as well. I have seen. Now, this has been brought to you by Amazon Studios, and mm. this is... Um, Starring Ben Affleck, it stars Ty Sheridan as well, and also um, Lily Raab is in this as well. And it's a story of essentially, it, it's a coming of age story of a young boy in the 1970s who is essentially, he grows up on Long Island and he's trying to seek out different people within his life to fulfill that kind of father figure role, which is left by yeah. his his radio obviously <laughs> yeah well his father but i was just going to say like his ra his father is like a radio personality that is just mm. causing all sorts of havoc so yeah that's the tender bar i know a lot of guys that think they're writers and you'll find in life that most of them are not here's the thing you gotta have it i don't know what it is but if you don't have it immediately you never get it And I say you got it. Oh, I knew it. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. There's just, there's, there's something. Calm down. I, I didn't say you were good. I said, you know, you could be. So there's, there's Affleck at his uh, best supporting actor stab for the year. Because, um, yeah. you know, he's, he's got to have one of those. And that's the thing. This does feel, again, very cynically like, come on, we all know why this film exists. Why are we here? You're yeah. not showing us anything new. You're not showing us anything groundbreaking. It's very obvious what the intent is for this film. And it's pouring out of every frame. Everything down mm -hmm. to when this is being released tells you exactly yeah. what kind of film this one is. It's and don't get me wrong, it's very charming. Despite that, it's a very charming film. I, I found it quite likable, but it does feel like the flip side of the coin. What was that weird uh, Red State uh, Ron Howard uh, thing got nominated for an Oscar last year? Mm. The one that starred Amy Adams and Glenn Close. Oh, oh the hillbilly one. Um, the hillbilly, hillbilly elegy. Hillbilly elegy. This, this yeah. feels like the inverse of hillbilly elegy. So you had the hillbilly yes. elegy, you know, to support like that was your right wing coming of age, wannabe aspiring, you know, growing up writer, literary type, and now you've got the same, but the other way around. And this is like long out. And the whole thing is basically just about you know how charming Ben Affleck is, because Ty Sheridan's kind of the anointed rising star really of the moment. 
You know, you look at yeah. his body of work. He's he's going to work with just about everyone in this sense. He's worked with Spielberg's work with Clint. He just seems to be doing that Sam Worthington thing of being passed through the ranks of the named directors. But fair so, play to him because yeah, he is yeah, good, fair, yeah. you know. And he kind of comes mm. into this film about forty-five minutes in, so we kind of spend a lot of time with the the younger version of Junior in it. And and that for me, do you know what this mm. film sort of said to me was? This reminded me of the Wonder Years. Um, it had a real feeling of that, like, you know, family around a dinner table. They're all mm. very, there's different characters. Everybody wants an Uncle Charlie, which is what Ben Affleck's character is. You know, someone will slip you those dollar bills just um, just for being his nephew. You know, it's, yeah. it's that kind of I movie. But, but you're right, it's quite placid as well. It's yeah. just... It, it, it ticks along. You kind of go through this relationship that Ty Sheridan has as he gets older and he, he his, his character kind of, you know, is being messed around by his girlfriend and she's from like a much more upper class family. Mm. And there's all this kind of stuff, but it doesn't really take off. It doesn't take flight, this movie. It just no, sort of no. glides is what I would say. The weird thing is, someone asked me to describe it to them, and I said, "Look, if if they released this three or four years ago, it just it would have been the exact same movie with the exact same cast, except it would have been Lucas Hedges in the lead, yeah. and that would have yeah. been the exact. And that tells you exactly the movie you're going for with yeah. this. It's fine. Uh, it's on limited theatrical now. It's on uh, Amazon Prime, I think, uh, shortly as well. Is that in the new year? I think it's out for over Christmas on year, Amazon yeah. Prime. Um, in the meanwhile, that's that's the tender bar. I say, check it out. It's it's it's, it's good and everything. But it's nothing groundbreaking mm. or new, but you know, good performances. I think Affleck's very likable. See it for good old Uncle Charlie. I mean, personally, I'd rather you know spend another two hours going drinking with the actual Ben Affleck. That'd be kind of fun. But uh, <laughs> the actual Uncle Charlie, not the actual Ben Affleck, because that's probably very problematic. Anyway, let's talk about uh, another one I know you've seen. Uh, sci-fi drama, not even sci-fi, really fantasy drama. Yeah. That's out. Yeah. This let's let's talk about nine days. I'm curious how you are going to synopsize the plot of nine days, Bex. Go on. I, I'm almost going to have to look <laughs> it up to keep me on track with this because so nine days follows a guy who is a recluse and he basically his life is to follow a number of subjects, shall we say, who mm-hmm. live their lives on Earth. Right. So what he lives in is this, I wouldn't say purgatory, but it's this land where when you're dead or, or you, you, you are, people come to you to be reborn. And well, they're, the, they're the new souls, aren't they? They're, they're the, the new, new souls. It's the bit from, it's the bit from, from Disney Pixar's soul where they, yeah. where, where they find the Tina Fey character, where they're trying to decide which souls get born into human bodies. Effectively. Exactly. But in this sense, it's very bleak. And, and he's essentially one of his subjects who has, has gone down to earth then followed for a number of years. I think her name was Amanda in this. Yeah. She essentially dies all of a sudden and so he has to fill the gap and find someone else to replace her and so starts interviewing a number of different souls to take her place and so there's different characters that come in but the one that really turns things on its heads is played by Zazie Beats and she comes in and causes a different turn in the way that we spend out these next nine days. You want soap? No. Don't you get hungry? I'm like you. I don't get hungry, but I can eat. So why don't you eat? Because I don't get hungry. Not really the point of eating. For me, it is. All right. Will? What's it like? 
What? Be alive. Maybe you'll find out. Winston Duke there as Will, this sort of arbitrator, ar ar arbiter of souls, as it were. You've also got mm -hmm. Benedict Wong in there in the supporting roles, as Ibichi you've already pointed out. Uh, Tony Hale gets a decent supporting role in there. And Bill Skarsgård, I think he actually gets the uh, yes. coveted and credit and gets a decent... They've all got decent roles. I think this is really good. I think this is a really solidly written thing. Plays like an episode of Black Mirror, just stretched mm -hmm. out to double length, even though there's nothing science fiction about it. It's, it's mostly supernatural or mythological, mm -hmm for being you know, even religious or spiritual if you're being uh, uh, more open about it but uh, I think this is really good solitary location great use of space great use of environment uh, really well shot by Edison Oba um, Edison Oba I think um, great performance central performance from Winston Duke who I mean I already mm. thought was terrific anyway I thought he was terrific in Us if I'm honest even though he had the less showy role next, next to Lupita Nyong'o but I think this is really something there's great chemistry between him and Zazie Beats. they know how to play the parts perfectly there has to be a certain amount of restraint between the two that they know just how to handle and and how to allow just just enough affection to crack through that that that, that those boundaries and that restraint and it's played really really well but it's all mm. down i think it's, it, it's down to i think solid writing and solid performances every time well yeah well. really great though i think yeah and i think it's, I wouldn't say it's my cup of tea, this this movie. It's not something that I would choose to watch, but I very much appreciate that what they did. I actually think it would be a great play, this would, because I think it is, it is very much... You could, yeah. That, totally. Yeah, it's, it's mm. down to these characters and them playing out. Now, Benedict Wong in this, I know he's English, but his accent was irking me so much. That is his actual this. accent. That's his actual voice. Because bear in is mind, it? he's in not one. He's in not one, but two movies that we're reviewing this week. So, you know, this is his actual voice. The fake one he yeah. uses to an extent in the other one. Oh, Benedict. But, um, yeah, um, it was yeah. just a bit like a, a soft Liverpudlian weird sort of... <laughs> Beatles-esque from the 60s kind of voice. It was very strange. But, you know, if you can get over that, that's fine. I think it, it edges for me. It, it sits there on the edge of your skin. It could get creepy and it doesn't and it pulls itself back. I think it's a really clever... Um, mm. Technique that's used by the director. It takes you to the edge and then brings you straight back again. So it does. It never gives very too accomplished. Much. No, no, no. no. Yeah. and that's frustrating. That will be frustrating for some people, but actually, it will just keep you wanting to watch it. So a solid movie, I would say. Welcome back to Off Screen and keeping you firmly in the realms of the cinematic. We have, well, one, one new release that I think you can also watch at home this week, but also probably the biggest theatrical release of the season, really, to chase it. So we're going to end the theatrical releases on kind of a high for the season. I mean, I know we're going to do new, new releases next week as well, but I don't think uh, Matrix 4, the reboot, is going to uh, stack up against, you know, another film that we're going to talk about. So let's talk really quickly before we get to uh, Spider-Man No Way Home about Lola and the Sea. We were looking forward to talking about Swan Song, weren't we, on this? Mm. Yeah, we were. No. But um, Lola and the Sea, what's, what's, what's that all about? 
So Lola and the Sea. This is this is one I actually didn't know anything about this, and I was li- I was genuinely mm-hmm. blown away by it. So this is one of those that got assigned to me for the Morning Star that I'm not looking forward to. That I then watch. I'm like, oh god, that was actually really good. <laughs> okay, so this is um, a, a drama about a young trans woman who's uh, looking to uh, get her degree and become a vet, who returns home when her, uh, her her estranged mother passes away. Her mother was the only parent that was supportive of her, but she's obviously left home after a disagreement several years earlier um, goes home for the funeral discovers that her mother's final wishes were to have her ashes scattered on the coast of her childhood home something her father is intending to go through with now her father has father Philippe has uh, no time for her because of you know, obvious prejudices, and the pair are nonetheless forced together on a road trip as they set out to scatter their matriarch's ashes. You can guess what kind of dramedy, this, well not dramedy, less comedy, there's a couple of decent chuckles, but I would describe it more as a drama. Stars uh, trans actress, I'm trying to remember her surname here, Maya Boleas, I think her name is. Uh, impressive debut, it's a Belgian film so it's all subtitled. You've got the wonderfully named uh, Benoit Magimé as Philippe and uh, he just just an absolutely uh, you you can't ever not enjoy that man's harumph and he puts on a good harumph all the way through this but it is all about uh, Maya Blair's performance great performance and do you know what I would say just by you describing it the format is not not something that we haven't seen a million times before you know, well, it's green, two people, isn't it? it, it it's, exactly. it's, it's it's green book. It's driving me. So it's that. It's that mismatched road trip drama template, yeah. isn't it? But it's then kind of like, how do you make this different? How do you make this mm. more engaging? So, what is it that they've done that that really stuck out to you? I think, to be honest, giving it that exploration of the trans experience, giving it that LGBTQ mm. angle, I think does add something sufficiently new to it because it's still not. Uh, an element that comes up that that often in mainstream uh, in mainstream in mainstream theatrically released cinema, this, this format for the mismatched uh, buddy road trip uh, mm. drama, which and I think it works really well. I say, if for no other reason than the central performance of Maya Belair's, this is worth seeking out. It's not an especially groundbreaking film, but those performances are worth it. And uh, Laurent uh, Laurent Michelli, I think, who directed wrote directed uh, Even Lovers Get the Blues a few years ago, is behind this. So this has been made mm. with some passion. It's just a shame that the, the film itself is just a little bit middle of the road, a little bit average. But it is nice to see this format applied to a trans character. It is nice to see those performances. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a generally nice film, I would say. I would, I would advise, if you're looking for... Is just this a, a pleasant... Yeah. Is this a Curzon film? This is not a Curzon film. No, this is, this ah. is uh, no. This is uh, going out through. I think it's might be the oh, Peccadillo. What mind bags? Peccadillo. This one. So uh, oh, seek okay. this one out. Okay. This is in indie cinemas. Obviously, this is also in your uh, some of the smaller screens in your local cine world from this weekend. But I think it is available also to watch at home as well if you go through digital platforms. So you should be able to watch this on premium, on demand. And I recommend that you do. Uh, another experience mm. I recommend that you have, and uh, I don't believe you'll have had this uh, for no. COVID reasons, um, is there is a certain film, Sin Cinemas. Sin Cinemas, that's no, been in cinemas for two days, came out Wednesday the 15th. Uh, we were shown it the night before, Tuesday the 14th. It was a great experience. It was nice to see everyone. It felt like the Critics' Christmas Party. And we saw Spider-Man No Way Home. Bex, are you excited about this one? 
Well, I, look, yeah, I really like the Tom Holland Spider-Man films. I think they really, really work. <laughs> I, I remember yesteryear going back into the screenings and, and watching the previous iterations of this. And I have glanced, I would say, at some early reviews of this particular movie. And they are, they are up there. They are five stars. Um, even from The Guardian, I think, has come as five star, which is shocking for me. Absolutely. So the general premise, this is the third instalment of the Tom Holland MCU Spider-Man series. Colloquially, this is the, the Spider-Man in the, in the Avengers universe series. <clears throat> third movie for Tom Holland. I think his sixth appearance as the character, though, debuted in Captain America Civil War all the way back in 2016, uh, has done two Avengers movies since as well. And uh, we, well, last time we had the European vacation movie in Far From Home as he uh, attempted to reconcile the death of Tony Stark. At the end of that movie, he was out his identity was made known by a distinctly Alex Jonesified version of J. Jonah Jameson in the new alt-right version of the Daily Bugle. The new movie begins literally there as Peter Parker is outed to the world and has to deal with all the pressure this now puts on not only his life, but the life of all his loved ones. This has always been the mantra behind why Spider-Man keeps his identity a secret is so as not to harm his friends and his loved ones, as we find out when they start getting turned down for colleges and things like that because of the negative attention that their presence brings. So, of course, with nothing left in the way of options, he turns to magic, as one does, because he happens to know the Sorcerer Supreme. So he pops along to Bleecker Street and asks Doctor Strange if he'll cast a spell for him that'll make everybody forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. But he has some caveats for that spell that he doesn't think of until the spell is actually being cast. And... Well, it all goes a bit pear-shaped, as you'll hear here, and I'll fill you in on just what happens after. You ready? I'm ready. Nice knowing you, Spider-Man. Wait, excuse me? The entire world's about to forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Everyone? Uh, can't some people still know? That's not how the spell works. So my girlfriend's just gonna forget about everything we've been through? I mean, is she even gonna be my girlfriend? All right, fine. Everyone in the world's gonna forget that you're Spider-Man, except your girlfriend. Thank you so much. Oh my God, Ned. Okay, let's not change the parameters of this spell anymore while I'm casting. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I swear, I'm done. I'm done. No, but my aunt May should really know. Dude, just oh, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> And yet again, Peter Parker's mouth gets him in trouble. So the resulting chaos sees several villains. I'm, I'm being very spoiler, spoiler uh, conscious now as I say this. Results in several villains from the other live-action Spider-Man movies appearing in the MCU. And Spider-Man and his amazing friends, I guess, in this case, being MJ and, and Ned and Doctor Strange, uh, have to basically remedy the situation. However, Peter quickly discovers that in their original universes, all of these villains died at Spider-Man's hand. They died fighting Spider-Man. And given the recent death of Mysterio and how it's made him feel and how it makes him look in the eyes of the public, he sets about a new radical course of action. He's going to rehabilitate them. And that's all I'm saying. And that's it. Okay, so as far as the, the big reveals go, yes, there are surprises. Yes, I am being very conscious of spoilers. Yes, you will whoop. Yes, you will cheer. No, they do not disappoint. Yes, it's everything you ever wanted to see in a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. 
Is it a five-star movie? I personally don't think it's as strong a film as certainly not Spider-Man Homecoming. I think it's about on par with Far From Home. It's quite a flimsy film. It's... If you think the, the thing I compare it to actually is that third Captain America movie. You remember Civil War, mm. which ran the risk of becoming Avengers 2.5 because yeah. even though it was Captain America 3, it had that responsibility between being that team movie and that, that larger world movie, but also keeping it as a Steve Rogers, a Captain America centric story. This, I would argue, is not as successful in keeping this a Tom Holland Spider-Man story. This is more a story about Spider-Man generally than it is specifically about Tom Holland Spider-Man. They do away with the actual element of his identity and being outed, for instance, within about the first 40 minutes, and I think that's a real shame. They do a lot of multiverse stuff that, don't get me wrong, it's very fun and it's nice to see a sort of live-action attempt at the Spideyverse, and they have some good fun with it. There's great moments, as you can hear. Sorry, I'm in central London, so you can hear the sirens raising, raising past uh, King's Cross there. Um, I, I just, I kind of would have been more interested in the Peter Parker fugitive or Peter Parker, you mm. know, defendant story. Like, I feel like they lose the John Hughes element by going the route, the route yeah. they've got. And that John Hughes element was such an intrinsic part of what I loved about those first two movies. Mm. Having said that, the performances are all great. Tom Holland, good as he's ever been. Zendaya, again, a bit more to do here. Ned as well. A couple of performers I won't name. Uh, come back in style uh yeah it all it all works there's some inconsistency on jamie fox's part as, as far as how he's playing electro but uh yeah we're seeing yeah. we're seeing in imax uh stick around for the end credits avoid spoilers at all costs there are two post credits by the way mid and end so stick around to the very very end uh, the first one by the way i thought was hilarious um yeah just just enjoy it is it is absolutely the spider-man movie that fans have been waiting for i think it's a four-star film but i think it's a five-star experience welcome back to off screen so we've kept you cinematic and we're taking you on a ride through the telly box and you know what christmas is upon us we're trying to find as christmasy films for you but you know what we found a bit more of a varied selection. Kicking off with something that I think will put a smile on a lot of women's faces, and men. Um, it is your Saturday night at nine o'clock on Channel 5. It is The Full Monty. I love this film. Um, it is just that feel-good phenomenon of a film. Is this 95 <laughs> that this came out? No, 97, it, 97. 97. Specifically, specifically, it was August 1997, and if you give me another minute or so, I'll probably remember the exact date, because it opened the same day in the United Kingdom as Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery, <laughs> at, which my, at which my dear friend Andrew Sharp and I attended opening night at the Odeon in Sheffield City Centre, only to come out at about 9.30, 10 o'clock that Friday night, and find the entire cinema filled with mums. The perfume oh, yeah. was suffocating. That movie was a, just, just a gangbuster. It was a smash. It was a huge yeah. hit in the UK. It did. It was a minor hit in the U, in the US. I think like word of mouth did well for it. But I think it became a phenomenon. It's now a stage show, I think, as well, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. So, so for anyone who doesn't know, it, it follows six unemployed steel workers who decide to form a male striptease act. And, you know... It's all about the women cheering them on as they go the full Monty or decide whether or not to do that. But it's perfect British humour. It's that great kind of, like, if you love films like Brassed Off and, you mm. know, movies along those lines that take that kind of work, working every man, 
put them in an unusual scenario and bring in that brilliant British balance of drama and humour and, you know, commentary, this is that magic that it creates. Well, you need to look at it as well. I mean, if you want to look, if you want to judge the the success, the impact, of the full Monty, just look at its cast and what they've mm. gone on to. I mean, arguably the biggest draw in the full Monty was uh, Robert Carlyle, and he was only really known for Train Spotting uh, yeah. in the mainstream at that point. Uh, made stars out of Mark Addy, Tom Wilkinson as well. Like mm-hmm. they've gone on mm-hmm. to have huge careers, and obviously, you know, Carlyle himself. This was part of his springboard springboard to fame after I think he went from I think he went to I think it was uh train spotting this then the Bond movie isn't it I think he does, he's a Bond yeah, villain I think so. straight on the yeah. back of this one so worth checking out uh channel five Saturday night tomorrow night 9 p.m Sunday night BBC 2 7 p.m uh this one is family friendly I'm gonna I'm just gonna turn this one over to you Bex we've got a clip so please cue me up whenever uh it's the Guernsey uh, Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society now you chose this I've not even contested it. I've just let this one sail through because I, I can't remember anything about it. And I'm hoping you can explain it to me whilst also queuing up our clip. So it's it basically stars uh, it, it stars Gemma Arterton. Uh, no, Jessica Brown Finley, sorry. Is it Jessica Brown Finley? Is, is this not the Lily yes. James one? I'm getting them all mixed up. Well, I thought, yeah, Lily James is in this, but Jessica Brown yeah. Finley's in this as well. It's... Um, uh, it's set in it's set in the aftermath of World War Two, and essentially a writer forms an unexpected bond with the residents of Guernsey Island when she decides to write a book about their experiences through the war. So yes, this, I remember it now. Yeah, 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 and and actually it is Lily James, and and I thought she was really good in this, and I thought the whole cast again when we talk about that Britishness. Sometimes you kind of think, can you recreate the magic of these films of like yesteryear and stuff? For a Sunday afternoon movie, something like this, the Ger- oh, it's such a long title, the Guernsey the Literary, Literary Potato Peel Pie Society. Yeah, it's a bit of a tongue twister. I really enjoyed this, Fair and I thought enough. it was. It's a great film for, let's just say, the older generation, but mm. also it's a good film that you could watch with your family and be interested in. And I think Mm. that for me is something that I think really has the romance, it has the look back on a certain period of time and it has fantastic performances too. Dear Mr. Adams, books have been a refuge for me too. When I lost my parents, it was the world of books where I made my home. They saved me, absolutely. I beg your forgiveness in advance in inviting myself, but I must come and meet your society. I so hope that you might allow me to sit in on your meeting and to learn more of your story. Let's lay the blame at Charles Lamb's feet and allowing me to think I might be welcome at all. Yours sincerely, Juliet Ashton. I declare it the most whimsical film on BBC Two at 7pm this coming Sunday. After which, on Monday, on Watch, not a channel we get to talk about often, but we get to mention twice this week, Watch, Monday night, 5 past 10, you can find Louis Theroux's My Scientology movie, which is always worth a, worth a watch for a giggle. You know, Louis going after Scientology is always, always, always a chuckle. Uh, Tuesday night, ITV, 11.40. Bit of a late one, this one, 11.40 in the evening. But you know what? It's it's the last few days before Christmas. You know, some people are off work. You know, some people are home from home from uni for the holidays. You know, some people might have just come back in the country or stuck in quarantine before they can see their families for the holidays. You can always watch 
Shaun of the Dead. It's a classic. It doesn't age. It stays as funny. It seems to actually get funnier as it goes on, actually. I showed this to my partner, who's an American and had never seen Shaun of the Dead, uh, for the very first time earlier this year, and she thought it was fantastic. She described it's not the movie she expected from the uh, synopsis. So Zomromcom doesn't quite sell it. Yeah, but it is the movie that I think you can decide that you're going to go and get a Cornetto at any time throughout oh, yeah. the year. No it is iconic, weather. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is really. uh, on on to on Wednesday the- then, because I know this this is one that you love dearly. Wednesday then, Bex, what you got for us? I've got Crazy Rich Asians for you, which um, I could sort of attest to maybe two of the three parts of that, crazy and Asian, but um, not the rich bit, unfortunately. Uh, But this is on BBC One, 10.35pm, quite late for this. This is a brilliant movie. This was the movie that I suppose Mm. launched a number of names, Okafina being one of them, Henry Goulding as well. uh, who else is in this? Um, Constance Wu is the lead, but she was yeah. kind of she, she she went on to do Hustlers after this, but I think she'd filmed it before, and she was already known for I think it was uh, Fresh Off the Boat on TV because there was yeah. a famous controversy of her kicking off when it was renewed. I wanted to begin her film career. Uh, great, great movie. Constance Wu is the NYU professor who goes home with the the dashing fiance for a family wedding. I think it's his best friend, and you know his whole family are. You know, involved because he's basically part of the friend is part of that family and uh, discovers of course that uh, well he's not exactly a, a working joe hand-to-mouth living paycheck to paycheck every man so your family is like rich we're comfortable that is exactly what a super rich person would say it's not a big deal obviously i just I think it's kind of weird that I had no idea. I mean, you have a Jamba Juice card. You use my Netflix password. You play basketball at that Y that kind of smells. I really like that place, thank you very much. And yes, my family has money, but I've always thought of it as theirs, not mine. I love it. I, I fall in love with Henry <laughs> Golding every time I watch this. Um, BBC One, 10.35 p.m. Someone else that you might fall in love with, no matter what your your preference is, you've got a choice of four here in The Holiday, one of the big Christmas movies. I think this was taken off Netflix and we've luckily we've got it on ITV. Um, it's on 11 p.m. on Thursday. Oh, The Holiday, The, the, mm. the Cottage, Jude Law, Cameron Diaz, Jack Black, Kate Winslet. What more do you want to feel festive? I love that you're saying like you can you can pick which one to fall in love with. Ain't nobody picking Jack Black to fall in love with. Jesus, hey. no. Like really? Hey, anyway. hey. And, and also J- Jude Law apparently only has 15 years before he has to start looking like uh, Richard Harris or uh, Michael Gambon. <laughs> so I don't know what there's that meme going around, isn't there? Like at what point does he decide that uh, three piece elegant three piece suits are out and Gandalf robes are in? But uh, we've got to look forward to the holiday, which is on many times this Christmas, but you can see it on our recommendation at 11 p.m. this coming Thursday, the 23rd of December. We're creeping ever closer to Christmas, and that means that next Friday is, of course, Christmas Eve. And you need a Christmas movie on Christmas Eve. You do. And, and I don't think they're showing Die Hard, and they're not showing Scrooged, so neither of my two usual recommendations are possible. Nowhere ever shows the ref slash hostile hostages, so I can't recommend that either. Either They're not even showing Muppets Christmas Carol on Christmas Eve this year. They are, however, over on watch at 7pm, showing the feel-good romantic comedy 
the Christmas gem, the forgotten Christmas gem, because we all forget this is Christmas, that was Sleepless in Seattle, the second mm. pairing of Tom Cruise and Meg Ryan. He is the widower. She is the, I think, uh, journalist who works on the other side of the country. They get connected via a radio phone-in, and his son has designs on pairing them up in real life. This is the one I like. Jonah. The fact is, you're not going to like any woman because it isn't your mother. How do you know? What's wrong with Annie? Oh, Jonah, shut up! Shut up? Shut up? Mom never said shut up to me. Mom never yelled at me. The conversation is finished. Why can't we go to New York? There is no way that we are going on a plane to meet some woman who could be a crazy, sick lunatic. Didn't you see Fatal Attraction? You wouldn't let me. Well, I saw it, and it scared the shit. It scared the sh out of every man in America. I love that line. That's my favourite line in Suits in Seattle. Um, a, a great movie, you know. Never. Uh, I mean, obviously, it dates. You know, it's like when Harry Met mm. Sally and those jumpers. It dates. Hanks would never be seen with that hair now, but it's still just such a classic. And I miss Meg Ryan being in movies. I really do. I adore yeah. Meg Ryan. Uh, on oh. seven pm Christmas Eve on Watch gather the family round and watch this it's such a lovely film and it reminds you how Tom Hanks became the megastar that he that he is and how Meg Ryan you know held on to her title for so many years as America's sweetheart so Sleepers in Seattle this Christmas Eve wrapping up your Christmas edition of Freeview Picks Welcome back to Off Screen. So we've taken you on a wild ride of the big web-slinging <laughs> cinematic journey down to your fun free view picks. And now we are on to DVD, Blu-ray and streaming. And we're kicking off with our DVD and Blu-rays with a biggie. This has been, you know, only a couple of months ago, the big movie in the cinemas, the only movie the British public was going to go and want to see in COVID times. It is, of course... No Time to Die. It's out already on DVD and Blu-ray? Well, the thing with James Bond is that James Bond appeals so heavily to an older demographic as well. And the older demographic obviously are the most cautious about returning to cinema. So there was a there was a, a decision made a few weeks ago to release it to digital platforms, uh, a premium mm -hmm. VOD effectively, uh, and to bolster its numbers. And obviously now it's going to home platform as well in time for Christmas because it'll shift copies. Like, you know, ev everyone's dad and granddad has a copy guaranteed this Christmas. I mean, it's, it's Bond. It's the new Bond film. And that's to say nothing of, you know, there'll be box sets put out, there'll be a new edition of the box set put out to include this new 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 latest chapter, and, you know, there'll be a Daniel Craig-specific box set put out. This one's going to fly off the shelf, so the, the, they've got to yeah. get it out for Christmas ASAP. Of course... We're not talking yeah. about the plotters yet, which sees James Bond called out of retirement um, when he and his beloved um, come under attack. It uh, emerges that Madeline Swan, uh, from, from, the, from the previous movie, Leia Sadu, when it emerges that uh, there may be forces in her past that uh, he has not yet uh, been made privy to. And uh, this then leads to another attack years later in which uh, Bond himself is called back into service and enlisted by Felix Leiter to uh, help rescue a, uh, a scientist on the run in Cuba. And it's all tied to a mysterious megalomaniac played by Rami Malek, recent Oscar winner at the time this was announced, as the brilliantly named, I think his name is Lucifer Savin, which might as yes. well be Lucifer Say Satan. 
but yeah, yeah. Here's, here's Naomi. Sorry, not Naomi, not Naomi Harris. Here's Lashana Lynch as the new 007, and she kicks so much ass in this. You seem like a man who's gagging for some action, Mr. Bond. Shall we cut to the chase? I'm here as a professional courtesy. Well, you're not very courteous, are you? You've broken my car. It's Commander Bond. You know that. Double O? Two years. Very young. High achiever. Oh, Jesus Christ. The world's moved on since he retired, Commander Bond. Perhaps he didn't notice. No, can't say I had. And in my humble opinion, the world doesn't change very much. You had to say that. Look, this all seems like heaven. This little bubble or whatever. <laughs> uh, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I was enthralled from start to finish. My husband was left quite distraught. Um, throughout this movie but uh, you know what it was a great cinematic experience and I think a really fitting end to Daniel Craig's chapter as Bond so it'll be mm. big shoes to fill for the next Bond we have to say uh, let's move on to the world of streaming now and we talked about this film last week uh, stars Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem it's Being the Ricardos this is going to be out on Amazon Prime video on Tuesday. Um, it is the story of Lucille Ball and her husband, um, Desayanez, um, who are having the week that was, I think, is the way to describe it. Where the week everything, from hell, eventually, for the them, week, I think. Yeah, yeah, the week from hell, the week that changed everything. And really well done. And Aaron Sorkin written and directed movie and, you know, something that I think people who will be interested in it, particularly those across the pond, will enjoy watching. I think for us over here, it's a bit more of a learning curve, isn't it? I can tell you, every single review I have done elsewhere on Being the Ricardos last week, is because I did that as one of my two big new releases of the week, um, everywhere, that I, every presenter that I talked about that movie with, as soon as you mentioned Aaron Sorkin, they just lit up, like audibly lit up, like, oh my God, Aaron Sorkin, like, yeah, oh, I'm in, like, say no more, I'm in. It's fascinating you know, for how many people that really does make an impact. So, yeah, for the Aaron Sorkin fans, yeah. check this out. Um, I mean, it is a film that if you didn't know it was Aaron Sorkin, you would watch five seconds of and go, oh, this is totally Aaron Sorkin. I mean, I'm listening to it and watch it right now. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you, you totally would. And, and it's, you know, it's good to see, uh, you know, filmmakers like that. There are very few out there that are that distinctive. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to watch The Tragedy of Macbeth, for instance, and specifically think that's a Coen Brothers movie. But uh, we'll find no. out after Christmas, so hopefully over Christmas if my, uh, my screener comes through. But, uh, yeah, being the Ricardos, it's worth checking out now that it's going to be on streaming. So that's on from uh, the 21st on Tuesday. I expect we'll be hearing about that you know, here and there through awards season. Perhaps not with the big nods, but here and there. Globes and things like that. Not, not so much globes. You know, the lower lower tier ones, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but on Tuesday, the same day, on that same day, though, we have also got the, well, the prequel to a movie we're going to be hearing a lot about soon. Uh, the predecessor, not the prequel. Uh, Sing is coming to Amazon Prime on uh, Tuesday the 21st, ahead of the release of its sequel, Sing 2. Imaginative title. Wouldn't Sing Louder or Sing Higher yeah. have been a better sequel title? Sing more or sing, sing another more. verse. Sing another verse would have been a great title. Yeah, that would have been a great title. I have a confession, Van. I've mm. never seen Sing. You've never, never seen Sing? Oh my God. No, no. I know that Taron Egerton is like, is he the little 
singing he's a gorilla. in this. No, no, he's a gorilla. Oh, he's a gorilla. Sorry, he's a gorilla. Oh. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a gorilla, and I, his dad is his dad Idris Elba. I think his dad is Idris Elba. His dad's in, his dad's locked up, and and you know doesn't approve of him wanting to be a singer and just wants him to like be a criminal like him in the family business. It's it's, it's really sweet. It's a movie of uh, it's an animated movie with loads of little subplots. I mean, it centers around like an X Factor style talent show that's being done to save this, you know, used car salesman like promoter's fledgling theater. And he's voiced by Matthew McConaughey as a koala. And it's, you know, Zootropolis like setup with an X Factor like talent show, but it is the individual subplots of the various characters. Like, you know, you've got one voiced by Reese Witherspoon, who is the little pig. She's the, the housewife pig who balances being a mum to these dozens of piglets with her <laughs> dreams of wanting to be a star. And yeah, it, it works. It's a fun little film. It's one that kids naturally love because it, it skews relatively young. But the dialogue is complex enough and the, the set pieces are fun enough that it engages relatively young teens as well. And then beyond that, mm. the, the dialogue is also adult enough that it still entertains and the storytelling is complex enough. So the parents and the teens can enjoy it as well. So it has got really broad appeal. It's definitely one to check out. If you want an animated film to stick on for the kids over Christmas and they've not seen Sing, or they see the trailer for Sing 2, which is more likely they're going to see marketing for Sing 2 over Christmas, flick on Amazon Prime if you've got a subscription or you want to subscribe. Flick on Amazon on Prime and, and put on the first Sing. They will love it. Something to watch alongside the Secret Life of Pets movies or Zootropolis, Zootopia. Oh, yeah. I think good yeah well I would say the next the next movie that we've got on our list and actually the final movie of today is one that Mm. leads us in almost ready for what we're going to be talking about next week Um, we have on uh, on Prime Video as well on Thursday so the day before Christmas Eve we have The Big Short this is a brilliant film from Adam McKay this is so Oh, is that an oh god as in you no 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 I was, I was agreeing with you I was just going to say you know what we were just saying about uh, Aaron Sorkin how you know yeah. the, you know that that's an Aaron Sorkin movie I feel like we're getting there with Adam McKay with Adam we're McKay getting, yeah we're getting to the stage I think where we're starting to there is starting to develop this rhythm and cadence to an Adam McKay movie and the big short does seem to set that template doesn't it because you look at like Bombshell yeah. for instance has apes this style in particular yeah and I, look this is all covering what happened around the financial crash of 2008. It does a fantastic job of actually breaking down what happened during that economic crash to people who probably didn't know the intricate ins and outs, but they do that with a star cast, an amazing cast of cameos that jump in and out of this to tell you all the different stories and give you those definitions you need. And it does it in Adam McKay's style. And that's why I'm so looking forward to his next film that's coming out next week as well. So um, yeah, I mean, Brad Pitt, Steve Carell, Margot Robbie pops up there. The cast doesn't is endless. Jeremy, doesn't Jeremy Strong from Succession turn up in this as well? <gasps> Isn't this one of his roles? Like he's one oh, of Steve maybe. Carell's team. I want to say he's one of Steve Carell's team. You've got That's Marissa Tomei's Carell's wife <laughs> as well. Uh, obviously, Ryan Gosling. We can't forget Gosling because this is the movie that's mm-hmm. got Pitt and Gosling in. You know, and of course, well, here's a clip of I think Jeremy Strong trying to get Brad Pitt on the phone. He has so many numbers, and I always forget which one he prefers because he's very specific. I don't know if it's the first one. Just try it. Okay. Okay. 
Ben Rickard. Hey, Ben, it's Jamie. Jamie, you know you're not supposed to use this line. Told you. Um, okay, let's try number two out of 14. Ben Rickard. Ben, why do you do that, man? I mean, you're a retired trader, okay? No one is listening so to your NSA calls. The NSA has $52 billion budget and the ability to monitor... To tens of million calls a second. Do you think they're not using it? I promise I will refrain from saying Ben Rickert and Dirty Bomb in the same... It is Jeremy Strong. Vinny Danielle ah. is what he plays. Well done. I didn't quite recognise that from his voice there, but yeah, you're absolutely right. He's in that, which is great. All the more reason to go back and watch it again if you are a Succession fan, because Jeremy Strong is fantastic. Um, I'm going to just confess to you. You know that I've I've only seen a few episodes of Succession. I've yet to properly get into it. I'm going to watch <gasps> over Christmas. That is my that is my goal Good. over Christmas. The quicker so. you catch up, the better it is for everyone. Well, I now have three complete <laughs> seasons to watch, apparently. So, it's so good. I'll do it's that. So I'll good. do that while I'm waiting for Book of Bo. Fett to start. How about that? Fine, fine. So there we go, guys. This is your pre-Christmas, well, penultimate pre-Christmas uh, lineup for you. We are going to be back with a festive bang next week as well with some brilliant movies. Yes, Van? So I was just going to point out for next week's movies. And also, I'm going to make a, I, I didn't even clear this with you. I'm going to make a format tweak as of next week. So the Friday streaming things, Ooh. we are going to announce the same day that we actually do the show from now on. Because we do it with new releases anyway. We might as well do it with streaming. But next week, as you pointed out, Adam McKay's back with Don't Look Up, which is going to be in theatre, in cinemas, and then on streaming, I think, a week or so later. That's out from Netflix. Uh, the King's Man, we can talk about. The Kingsman prequel from uh, 20th Century Studios. Studios. We can talk about that. Titani. We can talk about the humans. There's the electrical life of Louis Wayne. And maybe, just maybe, we might get to revisit The Matrix next week. So we're going to do a bumper review edition next week and scrap preview because we'll take a week off after anyway. So we're, we're going to be leaving with incomplete listings anyway. But uh, we've got all those to come and more next week then, Bex. What do you think? Do bumper week oh, to see us off to Christmas? It's a real bumper week. I can't wait. And that should get us all in the festive movie mood. So until next time, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor and we shall return. <laughs> <laughs>